The Echo Chamber, brought to you by The Homes Report and produced by the international broadcast specialist, Marketeers. Sponsored by The Bullet Group, putting you in tomorrow's conversations today. Welcome to The Echo Chamber. I'm Arthi Shaw, your host for today's episode. Well, we'll talk about new ways that agencies are collaborating. So on today's show, we have Jennifer Reese, who many of you may know, um, recently launched her own consultancy after a long career, most recently at Ogilvy. Um, the new consultancy is called The Sway Effect. We also have Bon and Bo, who many of you may also know as a fellow industry veteran who started his career at a very long time ago at um, Weber Shanwick and has since been at places like Mondelez and uh, PepsiCo and who is now working with Jen to sort of forge a new way for this new generation of agencies to collaborate and work together. Welcome to the show, Jen and Bonin. Hello. Thank you. So we are here in New York today, and it is it is the first snowfall of the season, yes, it is. I believe, and um, and it's pretty awful out there. So we're in this nice, cozy um, conference room, um, and I wanted to have both of you on the show today because Jen, you and I have talked quite a bit about how the industry needs to rethink the way that it the way that collaborations come together, like how sort of talent and brain brain trusts um, collaborate. So let's first talk about your new endeavor, because Jen, as many of our listeners may know, you left Ogilvy over the summer? May. May, okay. And, um, and you started the Sway Effect. Do you want to give our listeners a quick rundown of what that is? Sure. Um, the Sway Effect is a communications agency. Um, it's not just me, though. I have other experts that do um, other great specialties as well. So it's an integrated shop that has creative folks, strategy folks, CSR-related folks, co- um, social media and content. Um, but at the center, it's communications and strategic PR, what people have known me to do. But I've brought other folks together with me because our industry right now has no beginning and no end, and you really can't define certain things clients need in one bucket, they need everything pretty much, and there's no end and no beginning to what they need. And so I thought I needed to align myself with the right experts that do things that I don't do. Yeah, and, and, and of course that's why I wanted to have you on today to talk about that. And we have one of those experts that you've aligned with here, Bon and Bo, which I think most of our listeners are probably familiar with Bonin. And your your track record goes so far back. I mean, I think I met you when you were at Weber Shandwick, right. which was like a zillion years ago. Mm-hmm. And then you went to Pepsi yep. and then Mondelez. Yep. And then... Then I left to uh, start investing. Mm-hmm. I was living in China. I was watching WeChat grow. Mm-hmm. And I said, you know what? I'm going to start investing in messaging tech. I've helped so many startups. I feel like I can call markets now. And uh, so I was quit to become rich. And uh, a year into that journey, even less than a year, I met a guy named Rich um, who owned a company called Sundial. Shane Moisture being the main product, largest natural beauty business. So I was investing in messaging technology. Met him. Decided to take an equity stake in that business, became chief growth officer for 12 months, um, 80% of my time, still 20% doing the other portfolio stuff. And we took that business from 200 to 300 million and sold it to Unilever for a little under a billion after 12 months. Uh, and then left um, and continued on building the portfolio and then formalized it into what we call Bond Ventures. And um, 
Uh, I am the Chief Growth Officer of Bond Adventures, and Justine Watkins is the CEO of the business. But we're a portfolio, we call ourselves a growth consultancy, but we're a portfolio of companies, and we also um, have a consulting growth side of our business. So let's talk a little bit then about what, now that we have, we know what Jen does, we know what, what Bonin, what you're doing these days. And that was, that was really well explained because I do get questions a lot. People often are like, so what is Bonin doing these days exactly? Um, so, so how did you two come together and what's the thinking behind that? Oh God, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> well, when, I, when I left, I mean, I, I think that one of the things that happened when I left is I thought I was going to start this small little consultancy that I was going to do some one-on-one work with some clients and guest clients reached out, but also people I had worked with found out that I left and, and had reached out to potentially work together. And one of those folks that I spoke to was Bonin. And Bonin said, you know, we're looking to do some strategic planning as well as communications work, and I'd love for you to partner with us, not only from helping position what Bonin Ventures is doing and with their CEO, Justine, who's also amazing, um, but also how do we potentially partner together on client business? And that's in the, the, the early stages of that as well. But Bonin's just one example of, what you're seeing when you become independent, and what I've seen since I become independent, is lots of collaboration, lots of folks wanting to roll up their sleeves, be helpful, introduce you to their network, and we're producing really kick-ass work for clients today. And it's, there's no silos, it's literally just bringing amazing folks together that are experts at what they do, and it's, it's honestly, it's, I'm having more fun than I've had in a long time. So, so Jen, what you're doing is you're, you're advising from a communications perspective on both Bonin Ventures and also the portfolio companies. And then Bonin, you can come in for some of Jen's clients, who Jen is the communications um, point person, and talk to them a little bit about their growth strategy. Yep. And we have consulted clients that we'll bring, in, bring Jen into. I mean, you know, the reality with Jen, I'm, I met Jen at Weber Shamrock, but she, as a colleague, and you know, thought she was fabulous then. And then when I went to Pepsi, she worked on our business and I had a chance to work with her from a client perspective. And the reality is, is I owe most of my career to Jen. Uh, Fast Company would have never happened. Um, Fortune would have never happened, many of those things. But more importantly, just really understanding true quality, corporate reputation and executive communication. And then the other piece that, so she's amazing. And so, you know, the other piece is really to Jen's point around experts is when you're working in a, you know, we, we, the people who we work with expect high quality, we only work, you know, high quality, big results. And, you know, to be able to bring somebody in the caliber of Jen and not also have to have a lot of the other baggage that comes with larger, you know, kind of players is, is very unique. And, when you look, like if you want to go to Davos, there's only one person who can take you there and actually get the impact on the ground that is necessary or that you need. Or if you want to communicate, like even with our business, I mean, in our own business, where we are asking Jen to communicate that just shows how much we you know, uh, believe in her as an expert. But it's rare that you get to find people who can distill, understand, and also execute at a at a major level. So that, that you, you raise an interesting point about, you know, the baggage that comes along with some senior people um, in our industry, especially when the senior people are attached to okay. some of these large agencies, right? And, but, but, I, but I'm curious about that because, you know, you, you've been, you spend enough time on the client side. And so, and especially now that you've kind of stepped, taken a step back away from the communications industry, what advice would you give the industry, especially folks on the agency side, around how to modernize for the future um, is 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 the model that that Jen's putting forth around kind of having these free agents kind of coming together um, without a lot of the 
you know, the big behemoth baggage that comes along with some of the larger agencies. Um, yeah, I'm just curious, like, what would be your advice to, to well, let's start with agencies. Well, I think we're seeing holding companies of the future being emerged, which are saying, A, how do we have businesses or people that are thinking in a different way that don't necessarily focus on kind of the traditional setup and expectations of where expertise ends and expertise begins. Uh, like I'm talking about Jen in terms of maybe a com- communication is too small of a box, you know. Um, but we're, and, and so you're seeing those models in holding companies because at the end of the day, you don't need uh, 80 person account teams anymore. You don't need, you know, the, the old agency model was predicated on having to be in every single market actually physically there there was not a lot of technology that was connecting it there was not a lot of uh, communication that was truly global beyond New York Times and you know the big guys now the whole that entire marketplace has changed so you can service companies with far less human resources and more technology and expert thinking so it's almost like you know we're for us the kind of work we do we're looking for SEAL team not necessarily Army. Now, there are some smile and dial stuff that is really just maybe you got to hammer it with Army, but you know what? SEAL Team is going in and taking out the person. So, SEAL out. Team is the future, basically. I think SEAL like, Team is like, definitely like the precision future. experts going in there yeah. rather than having these, these giant teams. And, and so, it sounds like part of it is the I automation. Think, I don't know. I mean, I, you know, look, don't get me wrong. I, I, love an, I love an agency. It's all good. But, but I do think that that model is struggles with. Yeah, I think it, it struggles because it's predicated on a legacy operating model. Right. Of how the world operated and the world does not operate. And so part of that is, is just automation. Just technology has enabled fewer human resources. People. I mean, yep. you've seen stuff like me and Mr. Jones. Like that is a whole new brand of holding company, which is, you know, a technology first holding services company, which is unique and yep. interesting. So, yeah, sorry. And I was going to say that from, from my perspective, we've been in business for less than six months. We're working with a retail company, a tech company, a major media company, lots of travel and tourism clients. We're working with Bonin's team. I mean, what the way that I've seen this evolve, and it's almost even happened quicker than I thought it was going to happen, is my team has become extensions of the internal teams. Right. They want someone who's going to be a communications advisor to the existing team that can sit there and be an extension team. When I was in my previous agencies, we used to talk about we were extensions all the time. But it was harder to be literally in the trenches, in the meetings every day because it just is it's a different way of working. And I think that I've seen clients really, they, they're, they're craving real experts that they can have access to that are going to help them solve their problems. And they don't care where the experts come from or where they sit as long as the right people are at the table because they're facing challenges they've never faced before. I'll tell you one other story. So recently we got, we got to the finals of a major pitch which is happening in a, in a couple of weeks. And we're up against all the big boys. It's, it's awesome. But I even at one point said to the client who called me, I said, maybe we're not ready yeah, for this. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And he said, no, I know you can do this work. And I know that if you align yourself with a person that can do this and this, you're the person we want to have do this. So now we're in like the finals of this pitch that I never even thought we'd be pitching at this level mm-hmm. within six months. Because the clients now also know their needs have changed. So, so the industry is just changing at this really fast pace. And so now it seems like this opportune time where, because I think that's always been the issue, right? Because the, the client buy-in needs to be there. Yeah. And we saw folks sort of spinning off and doing their own thing, but then the client would come back and say, oh, but you know, what about global scale and, you know, and all of that? So, so are you seeing less resistance to that? It sounds like you are. 
And I'm just curious from either of you around like, you know, what advice would you give to a CCO today as they're looking to, to build out their, their agency portfolio? I would say from my perspective, I think the reason I'm seeing less resistance is I think it was Bonin said lovely things about me and that's, that's very sweet and I love, I love him also. But I think that what I think that what we do that's different or what my experience is, I do global media relations. I don't need 100 people in 100 different countries. I know the most influential media that drive the news agenda. And that's what clients like Bonin and other partners come to me for is they know that I have the network but that I also can tell them, you know what, that story is not going to resonate, but why don't we try this story? So you need that level of strategic counsel, but also network. So to Bonin's point, the reason I'm having less resistance is because I also still do the media work besides doing the strategy work. And I think that's where when you're at a bigger firm, there's lots of layers and the person who does the strategy work doesn't necessarily do the execution. But when you're dealing with a C-suite executive, you have to close that gap. That's, it's a novel idea. The senior person's doing strategy and the work. No, I mean, I mean, and we, and I hear this from the brand side often, it's that, you know, they felt, you know, we've all heard this, right? The bait and switch, right? Like the folks who go in and razzle and dazzle are not always the ones that are actually ultimately doing the day-to-day work. Um, and I'm curious, Jen, one of the other things I wanted to ask you about was your collaboration with Joan, because I thought that was another interesting model um, in which you, and so you want to tell our listeners a little bit about what Joan is, if they don't already know, and then what role you're playing, and then what, what the opportunity might be for the industry at large in these types of collaborations. Well, J- Joan's a, is a great, well-known advertising agency that um, we went in and pitched a piece of business recently. We were the PR shop, they're the advertising shop, and the client had a brief. There was a creative brief and a PR brief, and we went in to pitch together because they wanted to bring a good team together that was unique to the client. And I think that is the model, like the pitch I'm going to in the next week or two, I've literally assembled experts who don't necessarily work with me, but they're the right people. One is actually a former client that started her own agency, and now she's coming to the pitch with me. What a great story is that, that a former client agency person are now going to go serve as a new brand together. So... Okay, so then what, what would either of you say to a client who says, you know what, I love your thinking, I love, I love the brain power, but at the end of the day, I need global scale, and WPP or Omnicom or Publicis, whoever, is telling me that you know, they, can, you know, they can give me this, this account team that crosses over all of these geographies and all of these capabilities. Like, what would you say? Like, what would be your pitch? If you go to middle school in China, you will find yourself in a classroom of hundreds of students, hundreds of students, because what they care the most about is the best teacher. If you go to school here, they care about, okay, small classes, you know, we don't care about the quality of the teacher necessarily. And I guess my response is, I do think that there potentially is a mix, I get that. But at the end of the day, Defaulting because of scale and not expecting the highest quality thinking and brain power that you can get for your money, I just don't see the value in that. For me, I want to work with the best, you know? And at the end of the day, we see that. And I've actually, in, we've talked about on another piece of work where, you know, the client is nervous about the scale. That's great. But I think that there's two things. So the one thing I, I, feel privileged is having been on the client side. Very, very senior clients need people who also understand how to operate inside of an organization. And it's a vastly different skill set. Um, but anyway, our you know the big recommendation to this person was, well, split out some of the execution, 
trim down some of that, uh, and then let's bring in people who can sit alongside you as a liaise to the client to then help transition that over to the... So, so you don't necessarily see this model displacing the, the large agency armies, but do you see more that you all would work alongside a traditional agency? Or, or, or do you think there is a future in which, you know, this, this, this model could, could be it? Like you don't need to also enlist a traditional agency. I think the best work is done when you have more smart people around the table who all do different things. I would hope in an ideal world it would all work together. Um, I think sometimes, though, and what's been so refreshing to me since I've gone independent is just the sense of collaboration and camaraderie and rolling up sleeves and who's who's passing the lead on for me for this or I'm passing the lead on for someone else for that. Like, there's just a natural evolution of how you're working. That doesn't necessarily always happen in bigger in bigger in bigger terms. So I think that that would have to be a mindset shift for. Um, others too to really want to do that as well but but I would say that there is room for all of us to exist I mean one of the clients I have right now they have an existing agency I said they're doing a great job we have to keep them my my work is additive at the CEO level and so that to me is a way of just doing better work product for a client now that other agency has to be cool with the fact that I'm coming in to be additive not try to take away what they're doing so I mean is there an and there's going to be an, an inevitable turf war thing, right? I mean, there'll be some new budget that'll, that'll be come up for play and the agencies will, you know, and every piece of budget that, that you get is a piece of budget that the agency doesn't get. And then even amongst the partners, I mean, you know, certain things like earned, and it sounds like that's really your, what you're specializing in, it's clear cut, but then, you know, there are certain pieces of work that might be a little bit more nuanced in the gray area where maybe you could do it, maybe Joan could do it. And, and so how do you deal with conflicts either with, you know, agencies that a client already has enlisted or plans to enlist, or even amongst some of your own collaborators? I mean, I, I'll just start and like, Bonham, please come in. I mean, I've, I've always, even when I was at the big agency, I always collaborated. I always brought other people. I know what I don't know. I don't know everything. And I want people who know their stuff to be with me to produce the best work for the client. Now, I'm not naive to think that everyone acts that way. But the way I'm working now is the same way I worked when I was at the big agencies I worked for. However, I'm just getting a different reaction now, back the other way. Mm-hmm. Yep. I think for our business specifically, like our consulting piece, we're in a different kind of, um, we're kind of in a different piece of the business. Like we focus primarily on stuff that we can jointly build equity or value over time in either cash or equity. So we're really focused, or specifically, we're hyper-focused on like a growth mentality. So can we co-create a product together? Can we, a lot of the stuff that a lot of other agencies are not, you know, uh, focused on. So we don't really run up against uh, that kind of stuff as us as a consultancy. But, um, uh, but I do think that there is room for both. But I, I think th- there's room for both. Look, at the end of the day, I shouldn't say I should, you know, the reality is, is I have, there are mega smart people at large organizations. And when you're at scale and you're operating at the size of like Pepsi, Amandalese, you're operating in, you know, Pepsi, we operate in more countries than the UN. So you, you need people on the ground and in places to actually fill in day to day. There's a lot of stuff. Um, so you are going to need scale. But I think what is really changing is how do you make sure that you are bringing in the best in class experts 
from the various disciplines that you need to accomplish, whether you're a communications agency, whether you're an advertising, whatever those are, and how do you give them, how do you make sure that you're not just filling seats with bodies, but you're actually putting real talent at the table? So, uh, oh, go ahead, Bonnie. No, I just think that that's a, you know, that's, um, that's harder. So now, I mean, where do you all get your source of inspiration now that, I mean, outside of the industry, like, you know, to, 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 for anyone listening to this that's saying, you know what, I, I do. Anyone listening, please. Anyone listening. (laughs) (laughs) Um, you know, if they're looking for some inspiration or, or, or a model or an industry and in bonded because you've kind of stepped outside of the industry, I'd be curious to hear from you, you know, do you look at high growth startups and you know, what, what can our industry learn from, from, from that model? Are there any other, you know, sectors that you're borrowing from now that you've, now that you've kind of, you, you're, now that you're independent, I was going to use a more loaded statement. Um, so, so yeah, I, I, just curious in terms of like outside of this industry, like where would you recommend people kind of get some guidance? I mean, I look at every, everything. I love like everything from space exploration to uh, the stock photo wars to, but I think anywhere where people are running fast. Space exploration and stock photo wars. Yeah, That's I, great. Okay. Well, any, any place that people are running faster, thinking different and innovating on the model. Like yeah, I constantly hear retail is dead, but the reality is, is our offices are on Mercer and we're right by Billionaire's Boys Club, All Flight, 3 by one CB2, Glossier, Stadium Goods, and V-Files right across. There are lines around the corner, people waiting to buy something in a traditional retail store. So if you want to see what's happening in retail, clearly there's something they're doing right. So how do we, you know, so for me, it's really whoever is, cha- wherever I see people challenging those conventional thought processes, I want to understand what that is. Wherever people are challenging conventional thought processes. I like that. Um, Jen, what about you? I, I spend a lot of time with folks not in the industry, but also I spend a lot of time with young people. Like I was at City College a couple weeks ago just talking about comms and getting perspective and just hearing what they're thinking about and what they're seeing. And I mean, I, I try to get my inspiration of, of just people that have different perspective from different places that I'm from, but also from like the next generation of what they're thinking and what, what they like to buy versus what makes them want to like buy from a certain brand. And it'll also evolve of how I help position a brand based on what they say. I mean, even through the, some of the new clients that I've had um, that I never worked in media before. I have a big media client right now and looking at how they function is just I've learned how to do my craft in a different way from working with them the past six months. It's, it's different perspective. I've done so much in travel and tourism. I know that space like the back of my hand, but I also want to consistently learn new things. And by working in new industries, by going and seeing people who don't even do what I do and saying, well, what does this mean to you? Versus hiring people to be on the team today that are not PR people. I want them to come and bring different perspectives. And I think that that's what makes you good is when you, as I said before, when you know what you don't know and you have other people tell you what they think. So I'll, I'll close on this question because this, this has come up a few times recently is the, the pricing model and the retainer model versus sort of value-based. And, you know, the folks that, that are pro-retainer, you know, they will say, you know, it's a, it's a good way to kind of have specific deliverables and to be able to budget and allocate time against those. And for folks that are against it, they'll say, look, it, what does it matter if something takes me two hours or if it takes me 20 hours? What ultimately matters is what value does it ultimately give to the client or you know whoever the the end buyer is, 
Um, and, and, and I, and I, there's a lot of industry resistance against sort of this value-based pricing model still. I mean, I'm seeing, I'm seeing that shift a little bit. I'm seeing a lot more agencies either experiment with a hybrid or a, a handful of agencies kind of going entirely in that direction. Um, how, what, what do you think is, what do either of you think is sort of the future of sort of pricing communication services? I love a good retainer. It's a subscription model. Uh, but uh, it, it's so hard. I, I just heard something the other day. I thought it was interesting. They said, you know, um, uh, a guy walks in with a toothache uh, to the dentist. And, um, you know, and he, the dentist said, okay, I can pull the tooth out. It'll be uh, $400. And so, and it'll take me 10 minutes. And the guy said, 10 minutes for $400? It doesn't seem fair. He said, okay, I can take two hours if you want me to. And so I think at the end of the day, yeah. it's really right. like, you know, you're, 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 yeah, how much do you value the service that the person is, is, is really offering? Um, yeah, I, I, I think I like the value-based pricing model, um, but for us, it has to be stuff where we're building something that, again, it creates value over time, but we're in a totally different business. Yeah. You know? So we're in an asset creation business, so it's a little different. And I think it speaks to, from my perspective, it speaks to the expertise point. I think to your point about earlier about, you know, where does it go? I think that people and brands today, senior level communications folks, want access to experts. They need a team that's going to be agile and be responsive and be able to move with them. And that's, that sounds like, oh, well, Jen, everyone talks that way. What do you mean? But I think that it goes back to what Bonin said before. There are some... Things people can do, smile and dial, very transactional PR type stuff, but to do the high level communications work, there has to be a premium paid to that. I mean, I'm watching it over the past several months of how people have come to me and said, would you be an advisor to us? And there's not even a debate about fees. It's just literally, we want you to help us tell us what it's going to cost to get that to happen. And I know that's very different than the days at my bigger agencies where I used to work because it was a whole different model. Now it's me negotiating with my finance person, but I think that people will pay for expertise if it's the right expert that's gonna help move the needle and it can't be transactional, anybody can do it, and that's where the whole bait and switch stuff comes from. And that's why I think that the model is gonna change because big clients today want access to experts who are gonna be extensions of their teams, full stop, because the, the challenges are more complicated than ever and that's why, part of me, I joke around sometimes, maybe I have to clone myself because they, they don't want to talk to people that are more junior that work on my team. They want to work with the, with the senior person. But that's how it was when I was at my former jobs, too. Mm-hmm. But now it's even more intense, and now they think because you're coming from a smaller place, they have more access to you, which I think is great. Yeah, well, you know, it's quite fitting because I'm about to go do a, a salon on the CCO of the future. Mm-hmm. And I will actually, what do you think? Yeah. Well, well that's... I, I, to me, in, instinctively, the value-based does make so much more sense. It seems like it incentivizes the right things versus, um, you know, like this week, you know, this took us 10 hours, therefore you need to pay us this amount. No matter, it doesn't matter what the deliverable outcome was, we spent 10 hours on it versus, you know, and, and I think agencies could be leaner and more efficient if they were focused more on, let's just get the outcomes that the client cares about right. instead of like charging them 10, right. you know, hours for this particular activity. So in my, in the salon that I'm doing in, 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 
an hour, um, I'll, I'll ask the CCOs that. I'll ask them what they think about agency, what the pricing model, and whether they think that needs to change or how open they are when their agencies come to them with something different. And I will report back. Yeah. <laughs> um, yes. Well, this was a great conversation. Um, as I mentioned, I have to, I have to run to, to my next event, but I'm so glad that Jen and Bonna that we're able to sit down. And it sounds like, it sounds like this should be the first of many conversations about it. the future right. of the industry. All right. Well, thanks again. Um, this has been another episode of the Echo Chamber, and we will be back in a few weeks with another episode. Again, thanks, you, thanks to Jen and Bonin. Thank you. Thank you. You've been listening to the Echo Chamber. Brought to you by The Homes Report and produced by Marketeers. Sponsored by The Bullet Group, putting you in tomorrow's conversations today. Today.